it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Jamie Urich. Hey Meredith, thanks so much for having me back. I'm delighted to hear from you as always. Uh, and I saw you were in Chicago a couple weeks ago, which is super exciting. I was. I was home for my sister's bachelorette party and and her shower and we have like all kinds of wedding excitement in Chicago the next couple of months which is great yay and were you here when it was like incredible weather it was like 75 and breezy the whole time it could not have been nicer and it was like a hundred degrees in desert heat in LA so I really picked the right weekend It's a good trade-off, and I feel a little bad because apparently Columbus has had, like, some storms in the last couple weeks, but I'm like, I don't know. It feels pretty nice here on the lakefront. Oh, Columbus, you're pulling through for us, I guess, with the winds, but I hope everyone's okay. Yeah. Wait, is there, was, is it a derecho again? I don't, I don't actually know the specifics. It's just windy. But I, but I do know that, like, when it rains east, generally it, like, cools off the lakes. And then we feel that in Chicago. So, so the Chicagoans are benefiting from that. But, like, I don't want that to be at the expense of anyone's safety. Yeah, no. If it's just a little bit of rain, then thanks, guys. But if it's at the expense of people's safety, then obviously people are more important. For sure. 
Well, hopefully everyone is safe and okay, and we can all enjoy nice weather in the few in the remaining days of summer. It's so close to fall, guys. It's going to be so nice. I know, I know. And so on that note, so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, We are approaching fall, which means that WNBA playoffs are in full swing. College football is right around the corner. We have like week zero this weekend. Um, So I don't know. Life is good, I guess. It is. I'm so excited for football. I'm ready. I feel like I can't let myself get excited for a very like – until about this time, because then I'm just like anticipating it. And so I have to really wait until like week zero, because otherwise I lose the last half of my summer being like, oh my gosh, it's almost football season. That's exactly it. Like, honestly, I try to wait until fall camp to even start like reading up more on like the team this year, because you just gotta, we gotta respect summer, respect boundaries. Right. Right. Like we can't, you, you know, Halloween is not here yet. It's my favorite holiday, but we cannot start thinking about Halloween until October 1st. We got to just keep every, no, keep September our 1st, September 1st in a week. Oh, that's your, okay. Okay. I start my spooky movies on September 1st. Okay. So fall kicks off September 1st. So we can do fall things starting September 1st in the Hein household, but Halloween specifically has to wait till October 1st. Interesting. Right. Halloween is my also my favorite holiday. So I feel like I just will look for any excuse to extend it. Maybe I'll start it. My birthday is like mid-September and maybe I'll declare like my birthday the start of spooky season for the Hein. Well, I like that. I think that, that as the birthday girl, you have the right to do that. Um, speaking of football coming back, the local Irish pub around the corner from me, I have learned recently, is a Chicago Bears bar. Oh, fun! And as a as someone who lives in Chicago, I feel like you'll appreciate this. They serve Malort. Oh! And I cannot wait to take all of my LA friends to this bar and serve them Malort without telling them what they are about to embark upon. Oh, God. It will be not fun for them, but it will be fun for me. Please take a video. I absolutely will. (laughs) Oh, gross. When we went to a wedding in June and one of the folks at the wedding was from Chicago and brought Malort for everyone. And he was like, you live in Chicago. You should take Malort. And I'm like, no, I live in Chicago, so I won't like fall for this. Right. I know better. There's nothing you can do to convince me to drink this. And I didn't. And other people did, despite my warnings. And then they regretted it. So it just lingers. Like the problem is not the taste or the burn. It's the fact that the burn lingers for like a full hour. Oh, yeah. And it's like bitter. It tastes, I don't know. It's truly terrible. It's like medicine. But it's also bad for you. So I have had cough medicine that tastes better than Malort. Same. Like the children's cough medicine, like you think it's the worst thing in the world at the time, but by golly, grow up and have Malort and see differently. Exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, um, speaking of bars, Jamie, uh, I did want to kick things off with you because I know that you've got an exciting piece of content that you've been working on the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So – I don't know if other women's sports fans feel this, but there is nothing more frustrating to me than when I am just trying to go watch 
like I'm a big Angel City Football Club fan or like uh, NWSL fan um, and WNBA playoffs are on right now. Like sometimes I just want to go to a bar and know that they will be showing women's sports games. And often that is not the case. And often I have to like spend hours calling around to find a bar that will be showing the game. Um, But I, on my flight home from Chicago in the little like United magazine was reading about a woman's sports bar in Portland, Oregon called the sports bra. And they show exclusively (laughs) women's sports. Um, And it was essentially like a study came out, I think last summer that showed that 95% of sports coverage covers men's sports. And so the owner was basically like, it shouldn't be this hard to find a bar that shows women's sports games. And the lines have been out the door. And I thought this was the coolest concept. And so I started like researching this bar and doing all of this, like kind of digging into what the business model was. And then a couple weeks, like after that, or I guess like last week or two weeks ago, they announced that there is another women's sports bar opening in Seattle um, called Rough and Tumble that is being opened by a women's sports fan in Seattle who couldn't find a place to watch the games that she wanted to watch. And so she was just like, screw it, I will open a bar. Um, So now there's a whopping total of two bars in the United States that show exclusively women's sports. Uh, But yeah, I just like, why is it so hard to find sports bars that show women's sports games? We know that women's sports are becoming more popular than they have ever been before. In many cases, they're outperforming men's sports. I should not have to spend hours calling to find somewhere that will show me the game. So a lot of thoughts. First of all, I love that name, the sports bra. Yes. Obsessed. (laughs) Um, It's amazing. Second of all, we are taking a West Coast trip uh, later this month to Seattle and Portland. And so I feel like I'm going to need to find these locations. Yes. Um, But third, like I think what you just said like hits the nail on the head. Like we are finally – I feel like – 2021, 2022, finally seeing in particular for the WNBA, the league being treated on par with the NBA in things like TV deals, in things like ratings. So it feels like a natural progression that regular sports, I say regular, co-ed, I don't know, sports bars should be showing these games proportional to what we're seeing when we're at home, right? So if it's a WNBA game on ESPN, that should be what's getting played in the sports bar. And I will say, like, why are we not seeing more women's NCAA basketball games? Like, I was really excited this spring because I went to a sports bar and, like, an equal number of TVs were dedicated to the men's and women's tournaments, um, which I thought was really exciting. But I also noted it and I was like, I like it, but it's weird. I've never seen this before. Right. It's the exception. We actually, um, I played hooky yesterday for a friend's birthday and that we ended our day at this um, Tex-Mex place that we really love. And they were showing the WNBA playoff game, the Chicago, New York one. Um, and, and I made a mental note of it because it's like, first of all, 
it's just on. Nobody had to ask. So that's great. And I can come back here to watch WNBA games. Um, but it's, but it's weird. Like it shouldn't be the exception. And I think part of it goes back to the fact that 95% of the coverage that is made available to us is on men's sports. So Mm -hmm. the bars probably have to do a lot of extra work to find that 5%, which means then we have to find, we have to do all this extra work to find the bars that are willing to do the extra work to find the women's sports coverage. Yeah. I I mean, it takes, like you said, if it's all of these different barriers to entry, why aren't we starting at the top and saying, let's make sports coverage itself more equitable? Right. And once again, when we demonstrate that they should be, it should be equitable with things like eyeballs watching the women's NCAA tournament, then it should, like, it should flow from there. It hasn't, but maybe, like, maybe it will. Maybe this small trickle will turn into a roaring river. I don't know. But it feels like it should take deliberate action. So with that, what would your ideal concept be if you were to open a women's sports bar? Oh, okay. Well, it would be a cidery. I love ciders. I mean, we would serve beer too because not everyone likes ciders. We would have other drinks, but it, we would we would have specialty ciders. Um, I haven't come up with a name yet. But definitely we would like promote I, – I feel like the way that March Madness is on and bars capitalize on that, we would do things like that for the women's March Madness tournament or like the WNBA playoffs would be a big thing. Um, yeah. I need to think of a name. I need to think – the sports bra is pretty hard to top. Mm-hmm. But I need to like come up with a name. Yeah. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask like why – so when you first proposed this topic, I wasn't – I actually read it in why are regular sports bars not as accommodating to women? Yeah. Um, And so Dave and I were talking about this and like that's my – like that was my actual follow-up question for you was like what can – for the sake, I've I don't know. We'll call them co-ed bars for the sake of this discussion. What can co-ed bars do to make their actual space more accommodating to women sports fans who do want to go and watch sports? Um, well, I think like first of all, if you are showing women's sports games, promote that um, and make it that in for like I don't I do not have the time. I mean, I, I find the time and I make the time, but. I don't really have the time to sit and call a million bars and figure out who's showing what game. So promote that, put that on your sign and say like NWSL games shown here, WNBA games shown here. We know at this point in time that like women's sports viewership is up. Women's sports are in many cases outperforming men's sports in viewership, in revenue, um, show showcase that pay for the subscriptions that you might need the bar the lines to get into the sports bra are like down the block and around the corner so it's obviously a successful business model and there's obviously a demand for this and i fully feel that people will see the payoff if they start to advertise that and make themselves that space like there is a there is a hole in the market fill it 
fill that space, advertise it, take over that hole, and you're going to start to see people become very loyal patrons to your bar. Yeah. And just by way of example, we've seen this play out with something like European soccer leagues where bars will open at seven in the morning to accommodate for games in Europe. And we've seen that those people who follow those leagues very closely will line up and will become patrons of those bars. And like, as you just described, will advocate for them and will be, you know, regulars there. It's not that different to say, we are a bar that shows WNBA games. We are the local bar for our local WNBA team. I mean, I live in Los Angeles. There's an Ohio State bar here. There is, as we discussed earlier, a Chicago Bears bar around the corner from me. Um, When I was in New York, there was a Cubs bar. Um, That's where I watched the Cubs win the World Series. Like there are bars that specialize in certain teams We know like Chicago is full of bars that pick their big 10 team and that's where all the fans go. And those are like their spaces. I spent a lot of time and a lot of money at McGee's in Chicago (laughs) because that's where I could go to watch the game with other Buckeye fans. And there is a sense of community in watching a game in public with other fans. Um, And so I, I really think that like bars would benefit from making themselves home base for their local team or for the NWSL and they just show those games or the WNBA and they show those games, like people will come because there is an interest in that in the same way that someone can specialize in Ohio state football in Los Angeles and people, fans will drive or Uber from across the city. Like LA is not an easy city to get around I will go out of my way to watch the game at the Ohio State Bar because I want the sense of community that comes from being with other fans and like singing the fight songs and singing Carmen at the end of the game. The same is true for women's sports. Like make yourself at home base and you will see success in your business. It will pay off for you. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking in the pre-show, all of your friends in LA or Liberty fans or all of your like why don't you open a Chicago Sky Bar in LA? I'm sure you'll find you'll find new friends. That's true. I could open a Chicago Sky Bar. It might just be me to start, but the people will come. They will come. If you have the if you have the good cider, Jamie, it'll get there. That's you know what? I'll have to start importing cider from my favorite cidery in North Carolina. I mean, I'm excited. I love cider. We can talk more about cider later. Uh, We do have some more college football-related topics, including what seems like never-ending Scott Frost drama, and much more importantly and more positively, Maria Taylor and Big Ten Meteorites, um, which we will discuss in a moment. Uh, But we're going to take a short break, so stay with us. Welcome back. Jamie, we talked about this at the start of the show, but like we are days, days from week zero. It's so close. It's so close. I can taste it. I'm not ready. I mean, I'm excited, but like I'm not emotionally, like we said, like I haven't been thinking about it. So I'm not emotionally prepared yet, but I've got got a full week plus until Ohio State Notre Dame. So this weekend will be a very solid warm up. Right. This weekend, like the beauty of week zero is that at least for 
OSU fans is that we're not playing. So we can just get excited about college football. And then next weekend we can go full out. Um, of course, uh, we do actually have like this isn't a crappy lineup to start week zero. We do have Nebraska, Northwestern, all the way in sunny Dublin, Ireland. Um, but what's interesting to me about this matchup uh, is we basically don't like we couldn't have two more opposite programs facing off. So on Northwestern's end, you have this perennial underdog. The Wildcats have won the Big Ten twice in the last four years. Um, and then on the other side, you've got Nebraska that went three and nine last year. Uh, they like to say that they had maybe the narrowest margin of defeat ever. Um, but we have to acknowledge that winning and almost winning are two very different things. Um, yeah. But even beyond the team. Oh, go on. <laughs> well, I was just say like, I, it's so laughable when people say that. I mean, I get it because like I'm a Cubs fan and I've come up with a lot of excuses for my team over the years. So like, I get it. I'm not judging you, but also like your record is three and nine. You can't it, ultimately like you didn't, you didn't perform. Yes. Some might say you underperformed. You did not exceed expectations. Um, I would recommend for all the Cubs fans out there, just taking the Brown stance and accepting mediocrity and just owning it. It's much easier to be honest. It you know it is, and that was the stance that I took for a while. I also feel like that World Series win was so delightful, um, and felt like a movie that like truly Cubs fans. The Cubs are they are my team. Like if I could if I could save one sports team of all of my sports, it would be the Cubs. But like nothing's ever going to top that moment for you, so let it go. <laughs> it's kind of the attitude that I've had to take in the last couple of years is like, even if they win another World Series, it won't be as magical as that. That's kind of how I feel. On a much lesser note, about that time the Browns won the wild card game in Pittsburgh. Um, maybe the happiest I've ever been as a sports fan. <laughs> yeah, it was such a good game. Oh my heart! Here I am. Anyway, um, but back to Nebraska Northwestern. Uh, so we have these two very different programs. They also have very different coaches. I feel like, and also like being in Chicago, I feel this way too. But Pat Fitzgerald is like the darling of Big Ten coaches, right? He's just a nice guy. Like he's such a good guy. Nice I don't know. Guy. I feel like I'm always rooting for Pat Fitzgerald, like not against the Buckeyes, but if I had to like root for another Big Ten team, it would it would always be Northwestern because Pat Fitzgerald is just such a good person. I know. And I've given Northwestern a lot of time and money over the years um, and therefore have to cheer for them, right? But yeah. I like don't want anyone but Pat Fitzgerald coaching. No. Like, and I would lose a little bit of loyalty for them if they had a different coach, I think. I know. And, you know, we see this on the Northwestern side, too. They've locked him into a 10-year deal, which has very much become the norm in the Big Ten, it feels like. Um, but he just, as we said, regularly exceeds expectations for a program. The only private school in the Big Ten, significantly smaller than every other program, exceedingly high academic standards. Uh, they're finally going to have something of a buddy when USC joins and becomes another private school in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I just I just love him. Um, and then there's Scott Frost. <laughs> 
so. He just, I don't know, Jamie, he just, it feels like he can't do anything right. Well, he's dug himself quite a, quite a hole and he continues to dig as we've learned on this recent radio show that he was on. Oh my God. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, last week, Scott Frost was on a radio show. It was a Nebraska show. Uh, and he was laughing about how his offensive linemen were puking five or six times during practice. And he thought it was great and they loved it. So what I'm making an assumption, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do assume that most diehard football fans are fans of the movie Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. This thought has crossed my mind many times in the last week. Please continue. So my dad was a collegiate football player um, D3, like nothing exciting. Um, but he, I remember when we were watching, remember the Titans for the first time. And there's the scene where they're doing up downs and he's like, you're going to do up downs until you puke. And my dad was like, you would get fired for that today. Like you, you can't do that. People die of heat exhaustion. You, you simply can't. And that was when remember the Titans came out, which I was in middle school, so we know better. Confirmed. Remember that Titans was a film from the year 2000. Like, it was 22 years ago, guys. And we knew better. What is he, what is he doing? Scott Frost, what are you doing? Yeah, we do have to acknowledge he did attempt to walk back the statement and said he may have exaggerated. But we're, that's that's fully not good enough, like a full apology, because it's these attitudes and behaviors that he's instilling in his players who are going to be the next generation of coaches. Like he's saying that this is OK somehow. And this idea, as you said, should have died two decades ago. And like also my question is because in his initial statement, he said like 15 to 20 times a practice people are throwing up. So when he says he may have exaggerated, does that mean that only five to 10 people are throwing up for practice? Or does that mean that like no one's throwing up and he was just trivializing? Either way, bad. But I still, I still like saying you exaggerated that 15 to 20 people are throwing up for practice is not, that's not going to cut it for me. No, no. And again, like we can just bolt this on to the other issues that Scott Frost has had. But I want to examine this in isolation because like this is this is a problem. So let's address like throwing up at a football practice very specifically. If you throw up at practice, you probably just negated any good work that you have done already. And throwing up does not mean that you are working hard. It means that you worked really too hard right before you threw up. It's not an indicator that you are well conditioned. In fact, it's an indicator that you are not conditioned well. Right. Because why else are you throwing up? Dave and I have run at like 10 and 11 marathons respectively and have never thrown up during training. We run really fast. We run in hot weather too. You know why we don't throw up? Because you condition yourself to do exercises that are appropriate to your level. Right. What is happening with the off-season conditioning program at Nebraska to allow this to happen? And then in the radio interview, he said, like, they're not throwing up because of poor conditioning. They're throwing up because they work really hard. But it's like, but if they were being asked to work at a level that was appropriate 
either they have conditioned appropriately for that and they wouldn't be throwing up or you are pushing them too hard to the point that their good off-season conditioning didn't cut it. Either way, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because vomiting is an indicator that you have another health issue. There is an electrolyte imbalance. You are dehydrated. And it's your body telling you to stop. And if you don't stop, that's a precursor to other issues, not to be dramatic, like death, which we have seen in the Big Ten in the last decade. In the last five years. Yes. Jordan McNair died in 2018 at Maryland. And and we've seen this happen in high school, at the high school level. We've seen this happen throughout. And frankly, like if we want it to stop at the lower levels, and granted, like high school coaches have a little less leeway than Scott Frost, but we can't be encouraging this at the collegiate level. Because it sets a really bad precedent for our younger kids who are training to get to that level. Exactly. It's like, and I mean, aside from being just like actively unsafe for the athletes who are in the middle of this in this moment, it's it's a terrible precedent to set for younger athletes who are looking up to the program at Nebraska or Big Ten football or NCAA football and thinking that that's what they're looking to aspire to. Like they shouldn't be told that they should be pushing themselves to the point of vomiting at their practices. Yeah. It feels very similar to the discussion around concussions and safe tackling. Yes. Like, I mean, there's so many people who have fought it over the years and said that you're taking the toughness out of football or whatever John Gruden types will say. But what you're doing is making the game safer so that you can have longevity in the game overall. Because guess what? Like parents don't let their kids play games when their kids play a game that makes their brain turn to mush. Ultimately, human beings, we all love football. We love football. The safety of human beings is more important than any one play on the field. Mm-hmm. So if we can't play football safely, we're not going to have football and we need to like not be promoting unsafe play in any capacity. Absolutely. And, you know, bottom line, we can acknowledge that Nebraska's offensive line has struggled in recent years. They've not been good. But like it's talking about how they're throwing up during practice really the way to like indicate how much tougher they've become. It's not. It's a bad thing to talk about. Also, like the safety issues aside, (laughs) Scott Frost, I would not, that's not something that I would like admit publicly and be proud of because it does make it seem like they're poorly conditioned. I know. Like what you're telling me is that this is a, this is a weak spot for your team and that you've worked to make it tougher and you're not doing a very good job. Why would you admit that? (laughs) You're exact. You are exactly right. Hopefully Frost gets fined for this and we have a very public teachable moment for any football fans, future players, current players, coaches, etc. who need a friendly reminder that this is an unsafe practice and you should not be proud of your players vomiting during practice. Correct. (sighs) Okay. (sighs) Off my soapbox. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had a I had a lot of rage during that. that Me good? too. It, it it grinds my gears. Yeah, it just it's just asinine. Anyway, uh, on to more pleasant things. Uh, Jamie, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Big Ten meteorites deal yet. Maria Taylor and Maria Taylor. Okay, okay. So, wait, I'm so excited. Yes, I adore Maria Taylor. She was amazing on ESPN and she was amazing on NBC last year. And now she is the host of Football Night in America, replacing Mike Tirico, who's replacing Al Michaels alongside Chris Collinsworth for the actual game. What an amazing spot. She is incredible. But like my personal hope and dream is that maybe with this new media rights deal, could we see her in the booth? Oh my God, we should be so lucky. We should be so lucky. I'm flushed. I'm so excited. I like, I want this to happen so bad. I don't know if anyone on NBC listens to this or cares about our opinion, but please make it happen. She's so amazing. Like the thing about Maria Taylor is because an issue that has been pretty prevalent in like specifically women's sportcasting is that we have seen historically women who get hired because of their looks and not necessarily, like they kind of have a a basic understanding of football, but like you can tell that they're being fed their lines kind of a thing. Um, And Maria Taylor is not that. She, that she is someone who just understands the ins and outs of the game at a level that like, in many cases surpasses the men on the field. And I just, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. Let's just brag on Maria Taylor real quick for some background. She played volleyball and basketball at Georgia. She's been amazing in basketball coverage as well. Cause that is like her sport. Damn. Yep. But she's like, first of all, as you said, she, she genuinely understands the game. And she's a true fan, and she's also just a very solid professional. Like she is, she's good at her job. Yep. And I just want to see her in the booth calling Ohio State games. Okay, is it too much to ask? Oh, I want it so badly because she'll pave the way for other little girls who someday want to be in the broadcast booth too. Yeah, and I just like I don't know if anyone caught any of like. Because she does the Sunday night football pregame show now um, mm-hmm. on NBC. Like the they have the football night in America. And she was a panelist this last season. And like, I don't know if anyone caught any of that. But like, she is just, she's so good. Like her contributions to the panel were so thoughtful and so in-depth and so perspe- so perceptive. And I just like... This is so good for football. This is so good for basketball. This is so good for sports in general. She is so good for sports in general. I'm so excited. I feel like we went on a rant in the previous part, and we also just went on a rant, but this one was much better. Yes. Yep. And she, like, does it all. I mean, she's covered – she, like, covered – did Olympic coverage. Oh, she was so good in the Olympics. Oh, it made me so happy. I want her to cover all of the things and then like also just like narrate audiobooks because her voice is so calming to me. Or like nature documentaries. Yeah. 
Anyway, as an aside, I'm also just thrilled for Ohio State to be on NBC Saturday Night Football because I just think that NBC's football product is so elite and clean and the gold standard of what football watching should be. Like Sunday Night Football, I could care less most of the – I sorry, I couldn't care less most of the time about who is playing, but I will tune in every week because it is such a good product. Yeah, I I fully agree. Uh, as someone who like so growing this the actual like sports commentary is important to me. I think it's important to like a lot of fans and a lot of networks are pushing mediocre pro- products. Um for a long time like as a kid, there were certain sports where like if games aired on certain stations, we would mute the TV and listen to like radio coverage, depending on like what, what team it was, what sports, what, what network, right. It matters. And NBC consistently puts forth an incredible product. So I actually talk about this in my column for the week. um, Because in my humble opinion, I mean, we saw Maria Taylor leave ESPN. We saw Tom Rinaldi leave. Their elite talent has been departing. Um, And NBC has been able to capitalize in ways that other networks haven't, Um, in particular with – I know we all laugh when they talk about pro football focus and the analytics on NBC Sunday Night Football because it's Chris Collinsworth's company. Um, But they actually bring analysis that is relevant and a different level than any other network. And they bring it in a way that's inclusive because any one of us can comment on the analytics as opposed to some of the other things that we've seen, especially from networks that tend to favor only having former players or coaches uh, in the booth um, who simply comment on things like, he's a football player, which is my favorite John Gruden statement that he repeats a lot as a broadcaster. Yeah. Not insightful. Anyway. Uh, I think one more shout out for Maria Taylor because we love her. But before we wrap up the show, Jamie, do you have any other shout outs? I do. Um, so there was an Argentinian soccer match, uh, I believe yesterday or, or it was definitely earlier this week if it wasn't yesterday. Um, and during injury time, the... Uh, one of the teams scored a goal to win the game during injury time. And so the goalie who let in this last minute heartbreaking goal fell to his knees and started crying on the field. And this like tiny little child, you are not supposed, I'm not condoning jumping onto the field. Don't do it. But this tiny little child saw this grown man crying and he like went onto the football field and hugged the goalie and like comforted him in his moment of sadness. And it was just the cutest thing. So I want to shout out this cute little kid for being a kind and empathetic human and trying to comfort his favorite goalie. Keep up that behavior, but don't jump onto the field. Yeah. Don't do that. But, but also like they, because I think because he was a cute kid, they allowed it. Yeah. True. They're not going to stop him. Um, 
My shout out. So as we've discussed at length, the WNBA playoffs are in action and Sue Burr just became the oldest player in WNBA history at the age of 41 to record a double double. She just, yeah, she did. She will not go quietly. I love you, Sue Bird. I love you, Sue Bird. She's, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited because she has paved the way for the exciting WNBA that we see today. But like, I don't know. I'm just sad to see her go. I don't want her to. All good things must come to an end, including yeah, Sue Bird's I career. Just, I really don't want her to retire. I love you, Super. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Urich, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.